That's fucking hilarious. All right, we're live, Mr. Joe. How are you, sir? Good, buddy. How are you today? Good, good. We need, we do need to turn up your mic gain. Okay, uh, gain. Volume. All right. How about, uh, how about that? Is that better? A little better. A little more. Volume and gain. How's that? Is that better? Gain is what we want. Yeah. Yeah. That's better. Okay. Cool. Yeah. People. Wow, that is different. We, we got it. We we had someone give us some feedback, which was awesome feedback because they they yeah. love the show. Um, I did see but, that. But uh, I can uh, see I'm operating off of my. Uh, phone i'm gonna adjust volume there does that sound any better for me yeah you sound fine okay so i got a little bit of news pretty excited about because you know i'm a fan i was a fan of his a supporter of his um andrew yang has started a um web3 lobbying organization um because he believes that uh DeFi um can help poor people and can also potentially implement his goal of having a universal basic income. He probably sees that as a, a way around um, government UBI. Anyway, he started an organization called Lobby Three, which with the goal of educating um, politicians, especially I assume Democrats, since he used to be a Democrat, um, on uh, the value of crypto and DeFi. So I'm pretty excited about that. He happens to follow me and uh so i sent him a dm and said hey man need to get you on mission DeFi to talk about uh lobby three and he replied like five minutes later he's going to be on which is pretty cool because he's got like 1.8 million followers so nice. um and then what i think we'll do is see if we can't get him on uh, DeFi lunch for a quick hit as well so anyway um that's exciting to me just because uh, uh i like the guy and uh, I, I like his pragmatic policy ideas so um and he's welcoming of everyone which i i appreciate so uh, that sounds exciting well, i look forward to having him on yeah so uh that's that um what else uh so i tweeted out um snowbank is uh shutting down so um i guess that's not a big surprise uh, to anyone. Um, I, actually, I'm a little surprised. I've been following their Discord, and the developers seem to really be working hard. They really seem to be um, uh, trying to crank out new components and new features and functionality. And uh, they posted up in their Discord this kind of, yeah, well, we're not getting adoption, so we quit. Which, you know, I get... I get being frustrated with that, but the snow dog shit was going to set them back. Like there, there was no way around that. So, you know, just to completely give up, what's it been? Four weeks max since I think that we happened? did all that. Wasn't that all on Thanksgiving Day? It was a day after oh, Thanksgiving. Oh, shit. You're right. Yeah. It has been yeah. that long. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Why does it feel like it happened like a month ago? God damn. Um, yeah. I, I think expecting my my point is though is expecting that they were going to recover from that right away um, was probably not be real, very realistic. I get the frustration, you know. I think they're all anonymous, so they can go off and start another project and try to do better next time. Um, but yeah, they said um, they opened with a quote: "Great products convert unconscious." problems into conscious realized opportunities. This is what motivated us to start Snowbank. 
building an amazing product for DeFi in the Avalanche ecosystem. We are fortunate enough to build an amazing community with shared values and a common goal. Unfortunately, we have come to the conclusion that our product isn't meeting its audience. Interest in rebasing projects is at an all-time low. Despite our exciting V2 plans, we still believe the opportunity could be better captured by a fresh new project. So they are going to start something new. Therefore, it is now it is time for everyone to move on. We will immediately proceed to the redistribution of the Treasury assets at today's uh, RFV, which is $225.25. Of course, I sold the snowbank I had left four days ago. <laughs> so it wasn't too far from that price, but still kind of annoying. Um, Snowbank has been immensely successful, well exceeding our wildest expectations. The community built around Snowbank has been one of the most amazing crypto communities that ever came to life. We can't even express how incredible everyone has been during this journey. I'd like to time take thank time to kink community contribution support, yada yada, and thanking the team, etc. Um, we look forward to the future of DeFi and Avalanche, and we'll be excited to build new products in the future. Uh, I find it interesting that he doesn't talk about the fact that they really fucked the pooch. It's <laughs> it's self-inflicted damage. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a polite rug pull, as they would say. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I think at the end of the day, they probably made some bank on it, and yeah, of course they did. They they can't get over the the hump of their reputation of the actual project, the brand of the project being so tainted. Um, and it's you know, uh, I I prefer to see somebody really try to push it through, but you know, whatever. I understand it. I get it. So. I never really figured out what they were going to do next, to be honest. Uh, they were talking about some new. Um, uh, they were talking about some new um, functions around bonding that they were working on. I don't think they were ever very specific. I wasn't following them that closely because mm -hmm. I didn't have enough in there anymore to matter. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think what they excelled at was their branding. I think they did a good job initially. I think they probably would have taken a hit anyway from from the Olympus Dow and Wonderland dumps. Oh, yeah. um, so at the end of the day, I think that along with the Snow Dog fiasco probably you know put the nail in the coffin for them. But uh, you know it's interesting because I know they were actually actively developing it. Maybe what they're going to do is take what they were actively developing and launch a new product and stop screwing around with this brand, which you know I guess makes sense. But anyway. So those of you still holding, get on over to the uh, Snowbank Discord to find the instructions for uh, redeeming your uh, Snowbank. Uh, the Snow Dog Project, um, on the other hand, is uh, is rebranded. Uh, the community people that took it over rebranded it, which I thought was smart. And now, though, they're doing the whole secret launch strategy play the game solve the puzzle bullshit um but i think it gets people engaged so i guess they're giving that at an angle a shot anyway i own a few of those still because i never sold i didn't sell when i had what was it thirty-five thousand sitting on the screen in front of me during that lucky that's a ptsd experience <laughs> I mean, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing. Yeah, you. you are. I've been there too. I mean, I was there with you side by side, not not as heavy a stack as you, but you know, I got fucked that was, as well. So that was that was a that's a and that's on video. So you know, yeah, that that's was good. the uh, November whatever Thanksgiving day. That was Thanksgiving day, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, shit happens. I mean, I bailed yeah. on a lot of those. Uh, the only thing I'm sitting in right now in what we'd call the rebase space is uh, Klima. And that's yeah. pretty much a dumpster fire too. So yeah, and um, I, I'm having, I don't understand. Look, I understand the downfall from you know the Olympus stuff, but I don't understand kind of the fervent support there was for that project. It just feels like I thought it was a stronger base of community than that. You know, well, um, yeah. well I know they have a product coming out soon this month, this week, next month. Klima Pro, I think it's called for enterprises to be able to easily um, get carbon offsets and you know, oh, lower that's carbon awesome. footprint. So that should be pretty cool. So um, I think they have a vision going forward. I just think they've been dragged down by you know all the other um, uh, malperformers. So yeah, you know, we'll see where it goes. I don't know. You know, I mean, it could grow, but I think it's supposed to peg to the price of bct you know um the carbon credit so last i saw that was like five dollars and 70 cents so i'm hoping that's not the thing i mean that's like how olympus says it's gonna get to a dollar at one day or something right um, well, i'm sure that excites the shit out of everybody um you know that's not really <laughs> my goal <laughs> it's like um but you know can emissions keep up as the token price is depreciating that's 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 the issue right and i, I don't know at this point I, i've seen some new ones out that I think you sent me one that was, you know, everybody's really conscious about emissions and trying to set it up to where you have, you know, 10 years of emissions there now so that you don't have to worry about this problem in year one. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the way. So maybe that's, you know, maybe these were, like we said, all just lessons to be learned and the snowbank guys and others, they're going to come out with new plays that, you know, take that into effect. Um, will they still get all the whales in there early to build up that treasury knowing that they can't dump in 90 days? I don't know, um, but but it's still good good tech. It's good um, you know balance sheet management. There's a lot of stuff to be said there. Um, yeah. But you know it's just tough when you're on the losing side of the experiment. Yes, yes, it is. It's no fun. Yeah. So, but hey, no I fun. wish them the best. Good luck. Yeah, absolutely. What else you got, Chumley? Uh, yeah, I got a lot of good interesting stuff. Um. Well, I probably should share a screen, shouldn't I? Yeah, you should. Um, yeah, I'm going to try to get you these as notes instead of um, links. So that way it'll be easier just to put the tags in. and Yeah, uh, that'd be great. And, and get it out there so we do get all that cross. cross uh, UAE issuing crypto licenses uh, wants to become an industry hub. Good article on Coindesk about that. Um, this kind of goes through different approaches. What kind of licenses are they in, issuing? federal licenses for virtual assets, for virtual assets service providers. Oh. So to, in a bid to attract crypto companies to the country. So that might be an in. We might want to talk to them a little bit just because I have a pretty good in there. Oh, um, good. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So that might be, I mean, I've never really wanted to, um, well, I shouldn't, I don't want to be impolite, but it's not on my list of um, <laughs> destinations to hang out in um but i get it no taxes <laughs> it's like and anything goes you know that's cool but uh and kind of tough for the women i think but um, other than that um let's go get that license so i kind of have i kind of have italy and france and thailand above uh most places in the world so it's kind of tough tough list to crack um 
Then I saw, oh, no, I'll save that one. Sequoia is raising $600 million for another crypto fund. Jesus um, Christ. You know, they're, they're coming. I mean, they just put, didn't they just put the 450 into Polygon, right? Yeah. Yeah. And let's see, $900 million or $950 million ecosystem sub fund that lets select founders of portfolio firms invest in other related companies. And a 3.2 to 3.5 billion expansion sub fund focused on growth stage companies. Hmm. Damn. So, yeah. So lots of funds. A good article on Coindesk tells what's going on in the VC space. And then what I thought was really interesting. Ah, here we go. We'll talk about, you know, everybody gives us Gen uh, Xers shit. So we're going to talk about the greatest generation and, you know, just their uh, decorum. So Charlie Munger, (laughs) you know, uh, I guess we'll call him Warren Buffett's wingman or um, hanger on or whatever you want to call it. Um, he calls crypto venereal disease and he's of course, you know, 98. So he's part of the greatest generation. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. He's saying this and oh good. Oh, they're talking about Melania Trump buying her NFTs again. Um, he says this, but then Berkshire Hathaway just invested a billion in a crypto friendly bank. So, you know, one saying one and the other Warren is doing something else. So I, who knows what the hell they're doing over there. Um, they've had a good track record, Seriously. obviously. It's a juggernaut. But still, you know, these old these old guys, and I and I like having someone to say that to. I can't you hear know, you. You can't hear me? That's something on your side. I think everybody can hear me. What the fuck? Chuck, can you hear me? I think can you, you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Well, I'm gonna keep talking. Um, you know, they tend to look at stuff, you know, Graham Dodd, which is the classic sort of option pricing model. And, you know, Warren's strategy is always value buying. So great brands, great companies with great cash flow at lower than market value prices. A great strategy. I Thanks, mean, guys. Uh, I can't hear anything, strangely. Yeah, they can hear. Okay. Hear me, I guess. And you. Um, you know, it's a great strategy, uh, primarily U.S. equities, did a lot in China and other places, too. Um, but, you know, that that analysis doesn't work in crypto, you know, because a lot of them don't have cash flow. And a lot of them, you know, aren't in this, you know, kind of, you know, I think like a Chrysler or, you know, American Airlines or a bank that's in the shitter. You know, those are great investments for value investors. But, you know, I take what they say about crypto is kind of, you know whatever but anyhow, I thought it was kind of interesting to to sort of see how um both sides are saying and doing you know they're saying one thing and doing something else so maybe they're looking yeah. to like beat it all down verbally some of it and then come in and pick some stuff off and then it's a value play for them but nevertheless interesting um then um uh, that's a longer one there um a little bit more on the binance us investigation i finally found an article in the verge that wasn't behind a paywall um which is pretty interesting um, one of the things I didn't realize, um, this is again about the two uh, market maker companies that are uh, linked to CZ. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of talk about wash trading and a bunch of other stuff, but um, just all the stuff that's under investigation there right now. And I didn't realize that they were a Cayman Islands company, um, you know, which kind of is interesting because three or four years ago when the Caymans wouldn't do anything in crypto. And then when I was talking to some guys out of the prime minister's office last year, I saw one or two crypto companies there and I was like, Oh wow, they're kind of coming around. 
And then it turns out Binance has been there. So, or I guess Binance US maybe. Um, so, you know, you got IRS, Department of Justice and CFTC all probing insider trading, market manipulation, money laundering, tax offenses, whatever. So, you know, they're kind of in the in the gun sites right now, it looks like. Um, so I just find that interesting that, you know, how much I saw another article, of just a group that's tracking all the bad wallets and, you know, trying to figure out how much is illicit gains that are being laundered in crypto. And they came up with like a couple of billion dollar number. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, they still it's kind of opposite of what other groups say. You know, they're saying that the illicit proceeds, as they categorize it, is from things like you know, rug pulls, hacks, um, dark, dark web activity, which I guess is maybe, you know, criminals paying each other or something like that with crypto. And then saying that they go to USDT and then off ramp into fiat from there. Um, but you know, when you hear all the other people talk about it, they act like people can show up with a dump truck of cash, turn it into crypto. Right. To me, that's money laundering. Okay. But, um, you know, when people are transacting stuff in crypto, um, and then going to off ramps through registered banks, um, you know, I didn't really think of that as laundering myself. I, I guess it is because it's criminal activity. Um, right. But at the same time, uh, it kind of shared some knowledge with me to think of it that way, that if somebody's dealing, well, not weed, that's pretty much legal. But if somebody's dealing drugs or guns or whatever, you know, the old um, all the stuff that goes on in the dark web then I guess that is um, illicit finance too. But it didn't make it out to be such a big thing. I, I, I think it's, I guess it's easier to go from crypto to cash in a bank account than it is to go from cash in a wheelbarrow to cash in a bank account. So maybe that's the thing they're really focusing on right now. Um, so, you know, anything that's really, really bad, of course we support that. I just think that sometimes they characterize that if you invest in a crypto company and make a bunch of money, that that's illicit gains. And I, I just don't think that's, yeah, of course, not. more accurate. So, um, but a good article on uh, the Verge. Well, okay. that actually ties into um, this whole thing going on with Canada. Um, they have labeled the truckers' wallets as terrorist financial instruments in order to block the banks from allowing funds to be, you know, taken to an exchange from those wallets and then into their bank account. Yeah, I wonder who, you know, look, I don't, you don't raise that kind of money off of some grassroots thing. Again, I think it's a lot of funding of that type of uh, protest is coming from uh, illicit sources. And I mean, foreign money that's trying to influence or. Yeah, potentially. But I also think there's a lot of conservatives that would dump money into that. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, even um, Elon Musk went on some kind of a, temper tantrum on Twitter today calling Trudeau up. I mean, he used the H word for Listen, Trudeau. Trudeau yeah. is fucking up. He's, well, it, just, he just backed himself into a fucking corner and was a complete idiot about it and came out and said they have unacceptable views. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you, you can't be the leader of a country and call somebody's views unacceptable. And he tried to lay, label them as terrorists, Nazis, and racists because there were a few crazy people in the group. He called them Nazis? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. hear about that. Yeah, no, he's, 
he's so Elon back Musk against is the calling wall. him calling him Hitler, basically, which is like, of course, you know, it's I stupid. Mean, it's what all the fuck stupid. is Musk's problem, man? This guy's just such a fucking nut job. Yeah, but I mean, Trudeau has handled this. Couldn't have handled this worse, you know. Just well, it's kind of like the like the insurrection on the Capitol. It's like, what do you do? You know, do you shoot them all? Well, Can't but here's that. the difference. This is not people breaking in and trying to circumvent the constitution of a country. It, it's a protest. Now, it's blocking and causing commerce problems, which is the point of it. But it's there. And I think as human beings, as a labor advocate and supporter, it's a similar type of action. Right. So I, yeah. I'm not. Look, I don't see anything wrong with people wearing masks and I don't see any wrong private companies mandating what their employees sh should or shouldn't do about vaccines. But I also think there's just a much smarter, more diplomatic way to handle this. And well, I, th I think they let it fester too long. Like usually happens because nobody wants to make the big move. Right. Um, but you know the fact is they are occupying downtown ottawa and you know what the do you know what the protest is about yeah about the vaccine mandates for crossing the border yeah so this one is single issue and something like i saw polling data that 75 percent of the truckers the truckers union the unions everybody 90 percent 90 percent okay so are already more. vaccinated so it's a very very small part and of course that laws that rule is going to be gone in like 30 days or less Right. Um, you know, so to me, it's just it's just somebody's manipulating and rattling the cages of everybody and, you know, getting people up in arms about something that really is a non-issue at this point. So I don't think you should shoot everybody. Of course, that's not what I meant. But <laughs> how sure. do you? Well, sometimes I sure would like to be man in the 50 up there, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, you can't do it. So, you know, you got to just let them vent their ignorant rant or whatever you want to call it, or they're, you know, very dedicated and, you know, principled position, whatever. That Listen, I think the guys that are there believe what they believe. Like, it's just like the people who refuse to wear masks to go in the grocery store. Right. Yeah. They're, they believe what they believe. And, and that we can't argue with what they've been taught. We can argue with, whether it makes sense or not, but they believe it. They believe it's important. So I don't think that group of people is disingenuous. I, I think it's legit real people that think they have a complaint. Well, that's I, probably true. But again, where is the information coming from? Of course. Facebook, of course. Yeah. Know, look, like, I mean, stir it up, cause problems. It's, I'm sure there's some foreign uh, influence mm -hmm. in this. And the same thing happens. On the left side, you know. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, 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 we talked about this yesterday. I mean, yeah. you know, these groups just fund both sides of every issue. Yeah. So they're not just going to fund all the right wingers; they're going to fund the left wing too. Yeah. And their whole goal is to create disharmony and fissures and fragment society. I mean, this has been the this is the KGB playbook, basically. Yeah, and it's a and our current scenario in this country with our polarization is like a dream come true for fucking. Putin. It's like, yeah. oh, let me just jab this shit some more. And you think it's bad here? Look what goes on in Europe. Every single right-wing party <clears throat> has had a resurgence in Europe over the last five years to ten years, and they get tons of funding. And where do they get it from? 
right. we're getting it from Russia too. So to yeah. me, it's like, you know, we have to recognize that people don't really, you know, we get in these little bubbles where we have everybody telling us the same thing and we don't poke our head up and see what's really going on or, or better yet. We don't look away from the phone screen to figure out what's really going on in the world. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, so I don't know. I agree. I don't know how they solve these problems though, or how these problems get solved. Um, you know, because either, the more man. it festers, um, hold on. What's Chuck saying? Lots more small U.S. donations as compared to several large Canadian donations. Sure. Um, 50, 50 split for the 10 million raised from U.S. and Canada sources. So, yeah. So you're getting all that. I mean, Alex Jones and those guys have all been talking about him, too. I don't know. You just it's funny. You look at media and. You know, just every story you just see, like the headlines are just absurd. And you look at every single site that has that headline. There's like 40 of them, and they're all the same type of news site. Yeah. And then you know, any other messaging on the other side, you see the same thing. You know, everything is the exact same headline across all of that sort of ideological spectrum, and nobody's coming to the middle. And I think everybody thinks it's going to be an all-out fight, but the problem is that that all-out fight, everybody loses. You know, if the in this, I'm speaking about the U.S. at this point, the people that are the most diehard supporters on the right wing, which I, you know, of our previous president is about 30 percent. And that's also the same segment, mostly white, um, mostly mm, high school educated or less, um, you know, no blue collar, you know, the old Reagan Democrats, whatever that are left of them. And, you know. They have the highest rates of middle age, you know, the, the biggest groups killing themselves in this country. It's middle aged white guys. They have the highest suicide rate in the country. No, it's horrible. That's they they have the that's highest what drug addiction. talking about. He talked about that, too. OK, the highest drug addiction rate in the country, the highest alcoholism rate, the lowest yep. lifespan, the least economic prosperity. So, of course, they're pissed. Um, how did that happen? I some combination of you know Walmart gutting all these towns and then shutting down a shop. You know, you look at the county. You're not going to go off on cheese whiz again, are you? No, 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 no. <laughs> eat up, eat up. Go get at the dollar store and chow down, man. Um, <laughs> but the point is that they're killing themselves, so that demographic is shrinking. And you know, you have to soon enough figure out that if it's all wired against you, as you may think, um, why is that? And how right. did you get in that position? How do you change it? And that's why I'm, we're such evangelists for crypto is because you can change everything if you play it smart and yeah. if you don't do stupid game stoppy stonk shit because, you know, you have to have a sound plan, but you can change the narrative and you don't have to be, you know, storming buildings and sitting around unemployed doing nothing but protesting. You can actually go do something and, and save your family. And that's what people should be focused on, in my opinion. I mean, that's just me. I'm not a billionaire. You know, I'm, I'm Fuck, you're not. No, I'm not a billionaire. That's why I invited you on this show, man. <laughs> but my point is, I'm a man of the people. And I just don't like it when people shoot themselves in the feet. And I'm talking to everybody on the extremes. I mean, yeah. I hear from super smart people that are so left wing um, that I'm like, they just demonize everybody in the other camp. And of course, you hear the same thing from the other camp, demonizing all the left wing. And you start figuring out why is that? It's because all they see on media is what the algorithms want them to see because of what they looked at before, what their peers look like, what their network's looking at, you know, and you don't ever get a chance to see what's going on. And that was what needs to be fixed, in my opinion. Cool. 
Um, let me. Uh, I'm not trying to sound like your boy Andrew Yang or anything. I'm just. That's no, all good, buddy. I think it is what needs to be fixed. I think you're absolutely right. I, I totally agree. You have some other stuff you want to share? I've got a few oh, things queued up. Um, great article on Bloomberg Wealth on the $50 trillion industry making a huge bet on blockchain. And it's really about supply chain. It's like a 15 minute uh, video. Yeah. Bloomberg.com backslash crypto. Go watch that. It's, you know, when we talk about user adoption and practical applications of blockchain and crypto, this is a great piece for that because it shows how, how it's being used for everything from tracking, you know, from field to table for food safety to, you know, um, other like food additives, you know, the, the dyes and uh, flavors and, you know, all those kinds of things, how you track that, how some source from sustainable overseas and others do synthetic and just different ways to, you know, track food and track product and track everything. Hold on. Chuck was lecturing me on these uh, notifications, but uh, not lecturing, but he's what? No, no, he's, he, he says you need to turn your notifications off because they're going off constantly. Um, but it's not like you sending me links like you're doing right now. It was more that, <laughs> you know, somebody saying, hey, dude, your hooker's here, you know, or something like that. But it's a good, just joking, uh, mom, just joking, mom and, and daughter. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, and then I'll wrap up that, you know, everything's off a little bit today, but I don't see anything to worry about. I mean, I am hearing some speculation about, you know, more aggressive rate hikes, but I don't see that in March. Um, you know, inflation still, you know, with oil going up to 100 bucks a barrel, you know, obviously inflation is cranking up at the pumps. I mean, I see it. I filled up yesterday and I think it was 80 bucks to fill up the tank or something. But, um, you know, to me, um, you know, I think we're just going sideways for a while until a lot of good news happens. Um, yep. You know, I'm not feeling like the bottom's going to drop out or anything. Well, I will tell you, we have a new uh, fractal. Oh, look, do you put that up? Yeah, I'll put it up. Hold on. And it, it ain't pretty. I mean, it yeah. is for a little while, but, um, and it's the tightest one we've ever had. Hold on a second. Do, do, do. And we don't do these regularly because they don't match. Let me find it. Yeah, I think those, I mean, I've looked at about five of those and, you know, probably three of them were spot on. And I actively traded at least three of them. Yeah, one was way off, but I think the ones in the summer were off. But um, And then one was sort of on, just timing was off. But three of them were like down to the day. No, I made good money on those yeah i was I, really surprised i really did hold on a second but if, if people don't understand about fractals they're basically looking at chart patterns from the past historical patterns and then matching them up with where the chart looks today to make guesstimates as to where it's going yeah so it's a little bit of voodoo science in a way it is but damn it's like look at that Let i don't know if it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy or something but it just definitely they track yeah look at that so i don't see um i can't it's too okay so guys um here let me blow it up a little so the blue line is the actual price that occurred and then the green line is usually two lines best historical match and best match forecast and excuse me if i'm pausing i'm hearing what i'm saying shortly after because i'm having sound issues 
Anyway, this the price matched tightly all the way through to here and still kind of pattern matched all the way through to here. The key thing to know about a fractal is, is that the time and prices are rarely going to be exact. Um, we have had them in the past be very tight on time and price, but usually I treat them as directional. Um, so in this case, the, um, the pattern looks really tight. Um, looks really good. And so we are, we're about, uh, this range, I guess this dump here would be about where we are. Um, and you can see, uh, some up and down up into the 46 range ish and then up down again and then back up pretty steeply, which will probably get everybody excited to the 48 range. Um, but after that, we're going to see some step ladders down and we're at about 33,000 on Bitcoin, uh, come right around March 23rd. When is the FOMC meeting? Do you know in March? Um, Mar I can't, I think, is it first week in March? Um, I don't remember. Uh, March 20th. It looks no, it's 2018. What the fuck? Okay. Anyway, I've, traded the hell out of this fractal in the past and done very well, but it's not something that's guaranteed. You have to kind of use it as guidance on where it's going. It looks like the 15th and 16th with the release date on the 16th of March. Well, so that timing that? Could, could push yeah. things way down if this follows this path. Yeah. Do you guys ever run fractals on like S&P 500? No, just crypto. That would, be, that would be interesting to see that. Yeah, no, it would be. Because that's going to be the first one that you want to check before you worry about what's happening to BTC. I did see a lot of stuff in Kitco, you know, the gold group or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, of course, they're bitching, but go ahead. So read this really well-written uh, piece by uh, a reporter and the wife of, oh, what the hell was his last name? Jer Jerry Cotton. He was the CEO of Quadriga, Quadriga, um, the Canadian oh. exchange. And he's the guy that died in an intensive care unit in India. And this is an article about what his wife went through after all this happened, because she was not involved in that business. All she knew was that they suddenly had shit tons of money um, and they were doing and buying and being whatever they wanted to be. And then, um, you know, he dies and all of this shit carts coming out about him and, um, people are threatening her life, threatening her friends' lives on Facebook. She went through this really like horrible experience. And it's obvious that this woman had no idea what the fuck was going on, but people were accusing her of covering up the fact that his death was faked and they were running around spending all the money that he got and everything else. Anyway, a lot of really good detail, really well-written piece. But the interesting thing is um, there was a uh, reference to Sifu from Wonderland. Hmm. Uh, uh, what is his name? Michael Patrin. Patrin, yeah. Um, in here. And so I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. But what I hadn't realized was that Cotton was part of the credit card ring that 
Sifu went to jail for. Oh. And they have known each other since then. Um, what I, so I tweeted out and said, oh, this is really interesting piece. It's a really well-written article and gives you insights into what it was like for her. But I said, it mentions Sifu, but very briefly. I said, it's odd that it only mentions him briefly and doesn't talk about his level of involvement in Quadriga at all. And Sifu replied back to me. Oh, and said, um, so I wrote Quadriga CX story mentions Sifu. Didn't realize the pair went that far back, but also so little in this talks about him, which seems very odd. And the article's called Confessions of a Bitcoin Widow, How a Dream Life Turned into a Nightmare. He wrote back and said, only odd if you believe the conspiracies. I left before his marriage and wasn't involved in his life or business. Wife didn't know me personally. So huh. I replied back and then I actually retweeted it saying, you know, clarification on what he had said. Um, but what was interesting to me was I had assumed that Sifu left Quadriga at the time that the whole thing collapsed. Well, evidently, he had left way before that. And so kind of all of this accusation around him and Quadriga um, was not necessarily true. Of course, we don't know any of the details. We don't know what actually happened um, or how, how that happened. So this was interesting. Uh, um, somebody responded with, where is it? Oh, I asked him all, by the way, to be on the show. Yeah, I was just um, gonna say that. <laughs> you get him on the show. Yeah, I did. I asked him if he wanted to come tell his story, but I'm trying to find somebody replied and basically said him referencing a conspiracy theory um, probably means that it's true, and basically accused him of stealing. And Sifu replied to him and said, "I'm waiting for you to show me evidence." Um, because I can show you on chain that 90% of my wealth is from my own investing and nobody can prove otherwise, which I thought was pretty ballsy because you know, somebody's going to dive in and do that analysis, right? To see where his money really came from. Because if his money didn't come from Quadriga and it was him taking money that he'd earned and investing it, that, that puts an interesting spin on the whole story. And if, the track record that he had at Wonderland managing, managing the treasury is any indication he's pretty fucking good at investing. So I, I find the whole thing interesting. At the end of the day, they couldn't keep him because it just doesn't look good, right? It just, it harms the value of the project because he was there. And that was the mistake that Danielle made. But interestingly enough, he seems to be a pretty good at managing investments and he's willing to challenge and say that 90% of his money is can be tracked on the on chain and how he earned it. Um, so I just find it interesting. Um, the it's interaction always, with him was interesting. There's was, always two know. sides to every story. Exactly. And, you know, when the media starts piling on, you know, even ourselves included, you only get one, you know, one side. Yeah. You know, Sifu's a bad guy. Memes start coming out. Funds are Sifu, you know, and all this shit. Yeah. Um, but then that's interesting that he left Quadriga before the other guy even got married. To yeah. This gal. And I remember all the speculation when he disappeared or died in India, whatever, on the plastic surgery table or something like yeah. that. You know, I mean, that sure sounds like India is a good, easy place to get lost, man. Yeah. You know, so I would not put anything past him on that front. So 
you know, who knows? And, and I remember the wife getting, I remember articles on the wife like three or four years ago and how she was getting hounded and people thought she had the keys and this and that. Um, I don't know if she did or didn't. She says she didn't, but um, you know, maybe the guy who just died or disappeared or whatever, you know, maybe he just played her and then dumped well, her. I will tell you that throughout the article, it talks about everything that she went through and the negotiations she went through to try to hold on to some of her money. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, she held, she had 12 million left in property, cash, belongings, whatever. Um, they locked everything up. And at the end of the day, she got out with, I think, approximately 90 to to $100,000 in value out of everything that they had. And the exchange executors, or not executors, but the bankruptcy trustees. Yeah. Um, took everything. So she ended up with, I think maybe she ended up with, she ended up with one house. Um, and then like a hundred, hundred grand, I think total. Um, so she certainly didn't make out unless she's going to wait 10 years and she's got the keys, but that article is. Did the money ever move out detailed. of those wallets? Did the uh, money have they can't find it? anything. They, the, the wallets were empty. I mean, what they eventually oh. found was that he had set up accounts on all these other exchanges because I guess the Ponzi was closing in on him and was trying to trade to, I mean, this is my assumption. He was trying to trade to earn it back yeah. and, and lost it all. Well, that's kind of like what happened to Madoff too, you know? Yeah. And that was actually performing for a while until they started commingling funds and then they were underwater and then they were really yeah. then using new funds. And that's what, you know, that was where all of the stuff went off the rails for him. Well, and that's actually why they were able to take all the money she had because mm -hmm. he had taken funds directly from the company to his personal accounts. Yeah. And so as soon as he did that, you know, he broke that wall and it was everything's dark. open season. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's good. What, what, what was that article or where was that article? What? That article is the, in the walrus. walrus. Okay. It's called the walrus.ca forward slash Bitcoin dash widow. Bitcoin. Oh, this is two days ago. This is the Finance Yahoo article. Um, so there's this this NFT artist that uh, created this this uh, thing. I think he called it the Tale of Wonderland or something. But um, it's got the whole gang in it, uh, all their characters. But this artist is friggin' amazing. I'll share this later. Um, but he does all this like Pixar level illustrations. Um, really cool. But Sifu actually retweeted this, which I thought oh. was hilarious. That looks funny. Yeah, it's cool. So I have a background having set up uh, a couple of call centers uh, in the Philippines early 2000s. And so I have a lot of friends there. Um, and, you know, the Axie Infinity thing. Uh, provided a lot of income and revenue to people. Um, and as crazy as their president is, um, I, I actually think that this kind of a, uh, investment by Tiger Global into a Philippines crypto exchange is really, really smart. Because I've had interactions with the financial system in that country, and it's a total hot fucking mess. And I think that... Uh, Crypto could have a really strong foothold in the Philippines. 
um, and have the potential to make a dramatic difference in the incomes of people in that country. Um, so this is, I found this to be pretty interesting. I, I think it's a great thing to hear about and see happening. Um, and hopefully um, some other folks will start uh, accumulating some wealth in the Philippines uh, and they can potentially move a lot more of their financial system to it. We'll see what happens. You know, just to back up for that, um, the gal who was married to the Quadriga thing, I just found something here that you might find interesting. It goes how, uh, this is the, this is probably the, the, the great quote here. Mrs. Robertson memoir described by Toronto Star as a travelogue from the Twilight Zone details their whirlwind romance and her slow realization he wasn't the man she swiped right to on Tinder in 2014. <laughs> she learned he had been in similar scams before they met and served as a payment processor for a Costa Rica company used by quote drug cartels, human traffickers, child pornographers, and Ponzi's to launder money. Yet she still stayed in the relationship. No, she found this out after he died. She learned he had been in some, well, it doesn't say when she, yeah. In the article that I'm talking about, it talks about the timing because she, well, I mean, maybe she knew before, but I, she claims in that article that she had no idea about any of it. Yeah. This is a book she wrote, I guess. Yeah. So I she's guess. going for some money. But anyhow, uh, this is on Yahoo Finance. More information there. But cool. Uh, how he did it. So um, I hadn't heard this news that Binance halted activity in Israel. Uh, some regulator intervention. Well, you know, there's a whole bunch, you know, um, again, not to throw shade at my Israeli friends, but there are a whole bunch of troll farms in Israel that basically run pump and dump uh, phone scams on American seniors. Uh -huh. So they're doing it with crypto. So it's probably something to do with that. There's a lot of discussion about that going on right now. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so um, that might be why they, they shut that down. I don't know, though. I'm speculating. Yeah. Uh, oh, Nansen, I'm a little bummed he and I didn't talk about this in the interview, but they have launched a machine learning price estimator for NFT projects. So you can put in NFTs and kind of estimate where the price should be for it or where it might end up. Oh, here, hey, James has got some intel here. Patron, Patron and Cotton had a falling out well before the downfall because Patron wanted to take Quadriga public. Cotton didn't. Ah. There's a good podcast on it called Exit Scam. Oh, he awesome. I'll check it out. It. So thanks, James. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm sure I'm sure uh, Cotton didn't want to take it public. He didn't want that scrutiny on the books. Yeah. Damn. That's, that's ugly. Hmm. Yeah, I would like to hear a Sifu's... I would, I would love to interview him because, look, I, I realize he was part of something scummy and he probably shouldn't have gone back to be partners with a dude that he was involved in the thing that put him in prison. But his investment skills seem golden and he's been kind of tarred with the Quadriga scandal as having absconded with the money but he's claiming he can prove he did right and that he left before the whole thing fell apart so i gotta check out that podcast yeah i never thought of him as being part of you know um stealing the money at quadriga in my mind i always thought of him as being like a partner in it and then i always feel like the cotton guy somehow absconded with everything well um, and 
I mean, that would make sense. But the broad, the broad brush that everyone assumes, including the tweet under mine under after his, basically saying he stole 160 million. Yeah. Everyone assumed that he was part of the controversy, but the Canadian authorities would have gone after him too, right? Yeah. So, I anyway, it's I would love to talk to guy because I think it would be fascinating to hear the story, what happened, what his experience was like, all that good shit. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, we've talked about this before. You know, we feel. I mean, I feel like everybody deserves a second chance for, um, you know youthful stuff teenage troubles or early 20s troubles and things like that but again you know not no matter how good you are not managing a treasury wallet <laughs> yeah you know, if you're implicated but it sounds like he didn't you know wasn't really part of all the bad shit at quadriga just yeah. from even what this wife is saying um but you know who knows who knows um so anyway this nansen uh, machine learning thing is pretty cool uh, you guys can check it out. There's a if you check out Nansen underscore AI, um, they have a tweet to it. Let me see what else. Oh, so I thought this was interesting. I think we talked about this briefly the other day, but uh, Build Finance DAO. I mean, there's power in true decentralization, but there's also risk um, because essentially the, this was that hostile governance takeover where somebody bought enough tokens to have enough votes to take over control of the smart contracts, right? So when you radically decentralize, if there's a DAO governance and it's not uh, radically decentralized in the sense that it's not connected to anybody, but it's still controlled by a DAO, then there is going to be the opportunity for more of this to happen, right? And um, people to be able to take over projects, control treasuries, whatever, because mm -hmm somebody went to the point of taking something completely decentralized. So any interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Crypto Raiders, which is a game I hadn't seen. Um, it's a dungeon, uh, dungeon, dungeon crawler game. Uh, it's partnering with uh, Olympus DAO for some bonds, which I think is kind of cool. I'd love to see a further integration of this NFT game with Olympus Dow in some way and the Ohm token, but I uh, thought that was interesting. I am finished, Joe. I'm doing show notes. You are? <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm typing it up for you from Good. stuff that I brought to the table today. Um, you know, again, I know I, I feel uncertainty out there amongst a lot of people and concern, but you know, and then I see articles, you know, there's two to four hundred billion dollars getting ready to come into uh, crypto this this quarter from institutional investors. Um, you know, so we don't really know how that's going to affect, you know, usually when that kind of money comes floating in, it, you know, raises the price. Yeah, um, it should. But sometimes, you know, when we think about the fractals and stuff, those really those are looking at false chart, excuse me, past chart patterns and then trying to find matches. Right. Um, going forward. And I think in crypto, it's interesting because of all the bot trading and everything, you know, you're not trading off of events per se, like you do with equities, right? You're trading off of expectations of where everybody else is going to go to with capital next. So you're looking at trends that really don't have much to do with the fundamentals that maybe we're used to looking at. So, you know, I think that, you know, when you look at a fractal like that sell off, we just showed for the next two months, you know, it can't, it, it's not taking into effect $400 billion coming into the market. No, 
So, it's not taking into effect what the Fed's going to do or yeah. anything else. Yeah, look, yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, that all has to be kind of, fractals have to be taken with a grain of salt, right? We're not saying this will happen. Nobody can. Um, but yeah, it's something to keep an eye on, right? If yeah. you see moves that are similar, it's a, it's a cool way to to keep track of and think, okay, well, there may be a, if there's bad news on this day and the historical, the fractal shows even further dump in that week time frame, that may be an indicator that things could get worse, but well, we have no way yeah. of knowing. Yeah. And when you start feeling that way, that's when you look at your stuff that's up, you know, three, four, five X and you start trimming those Yep, um, is my read to take some into stables so that you can buy the dip. Um, but it doesn't mean wholesale, you know, go out on losses and lost positions and things like that. I mean, nope. um, it just means watch. Um, and maybe, you know, at night, just go to stables so you can sleep and not worry about it. Um, but my read always is that if, you know, somehow something calamitous happened in crypto, it, it's going to take down the stables too. So True. it's not, it's not like, you know, you can overthink this pretty easily. So absolutely. I think in these, these days, this year, I'm kind of thinking, we know it's going to keep going up eventually. Um, you know, not every coin will, but you know, the top, you know, the DeFi 10 and, you know, the top 20 that are, that we <clears> like, you know, those will keep tracking upward and new stuff will show up. Um, so I don't look at it as a doom and gloom thing. And in fact, I tend to think that, you know, if for whatever reason, I mean, this, so I was reading this analysis today in um, uh, Kitco, I think on, um, is it Kitco? Yeah. The gold one or whatever, the precious metals like news site. And, you know, they started talking about fed rate rate hikes being higher or something and, and driving us into a recession. And, and this, this is the key point. When the Fed starts raising rates, that's when the stock market really starts going up. Right. It's not. And when they start cutting rates, that's when it tips over. So, you know, are they going to do some massive rate hike to drive us into a recession in a political year? No, it's not going to happen. I think you get quarter, maybe half points, things like that, but nothing, you know, insane. So, um, you know, and I see this in media, just a full lack of understanding. This is like in a financial news site. Uh, this is a Reuters thing, too, on that site. They just don't really understand how it works. Right. And so to me, you know, I still I, I think, you know, with all the institutional money coming in, we talked a little about the supply chain earlier, that Bloomberg article, um, you know, all the lending protocols. Um, you know, everything for, I saw some articles uh, in fortune about, you know, uh, you know, borrowing against crypto, you know, and I started thinking more about it that, you know, when you go to borrow in crypto, you know, you are placing an asset, you are over collateralizing the loan, you can't right. just show up and, and get money for nothing. And when people bitch about banks, you know, usually they're going in there to get a loan for a business, but they don't have collateral. And the bank's not going to lend to them because the bank wants collateral. Well, all the crypto companies do too. Yep. So um, it's kind of, um, you know, all of the riskiness and stuff that people throw into to crypto. Some of it might be near term. And yeah, some of the shitty coins and some of the scams and some of the rug pulls. Yeah, that exists. But it exists everywhere else too. I mean, mining stocks turn of, well, the 1900 turn of a century. There was like 10,000 mining companies financed on Wall Street. And, you know, I think maybe 20 ended up being something. There was like 
2,000 railroad companies at one point. There was 10,000 car companies at one point. So every now there's three. So everybody that raised money in those deals, were they like scammers and hustlers and crooks and shit? Right, you know, right. The other 9,997? No, of course not. Maybe 100 were, maybe 50 were, but the vast majority were just trying to make it happen. So I think all of that shit's just so overblown in crypto. And I think if you play it smart and pick the right things and go for, you know, unfortunately I can't do it because I have to look at this stuff every day, but you know, buy the ETH, buy the BTC in manageable quantities, buy the Aave, buy the Curve, you know, things that are solid, um, and then just forget about it. And yeah. if it turns into something great, just like if you're throwing into an index fund, because those kind of function like index funds. Um, you know, I mean, that's my read. So I don't get too hung up on, you know, quadriga shit or, you know, where I let it taint the whole space, you know, or anything else. I see tremendous activity. We talked about Latin America yesterday, six new exchanges popping up. We talked about Africa, two exchanges popping up. So that just shows exchanges go where demand is. So, you know, that means there's a demand to trade in those countries. So sure. user adoption is <clears throat> picking up, everything's picking up. So, you know, last year, I think BTC did 92% from January through December 31st, but everybody's like, oh shit, Bitcoin's down. You know, I, I don't see it. So, I, I don't go for doom and gloom. And if, if there's a hit, it, it, these gold guys always go, oh, now crypto is going to hit the shitter because uh, interest rates are going up. Well, the real sentence is that first the equities are going to hit the shitter. <laughs> and when the S&P and when that happens, then people will sell crypto perhaps to cover losses. But there's also the possibility that they could turn around and plow money into crypto because, right. you know, you can't carry bars of gold through um, airports. You know, you can <laughs> you can't move it, what are you going to do? So you can, but you can carry a paper key or you can carry a memorized seed phrase. Yep. So, you know, that's the true portability. So to me, I think all of this, when we go sideways like this, it's healthy, um, gets consolidation, <clears throat> closes out the weak hands, brings in new players and the people that hold and stick around the diamond hands, they're going to do very well over the long haul, but just don't overthink it. Totally agree. So I'm out, Joe. All right, buddy. I'm done too. Hey, um, Thanks, everyone. Thanks, I'm not going to say I love you like Brad does, but I like you a lot. I love you guys. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening and watching. Please share. Please rate, review us. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or YouTube. And uh, please tweet about us. Tell your friends. Thanks yeah, for all absolutely. the great feedback what we've been getting lately as well. Yeah, Don't yeah. ever hesitate to DM me. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's good stuff. Um, Definitely. We'll see everybody on Monday. No, Thursday. Today's Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow. Right. Tomorrow. Yep. See you, buddy. Ciao. Talk to you Bye. 15 times later today. So, bye. <laughs> We're still on.